Matthew chapter number 11 tonight in our Bibles. Uh, I'm so uh, privileged to, to be able to preach tonight. I'm honored. I'm humbled by it. Um, thank you, Pastor, for allowing me to preach behind your pulpit. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm just thrilled. <clears throat> I love this church. I love being saved. Amen? Amen. I love being saved. I love being an American Baptist. Uh, I, I love it. I love my country. I love uh, being Baptist. I, I don't apologize for being Baptist. I'm, I'm, I love it. I love it. Hence the title of the message tonight, The Baptist. So we're going to be talking about The Baptist. Matthew chapter number 11. And uh, we'll, we'll begin in verse number 1. The Bible says, And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples. Now I want you to notice something there. John, talking about John the Baptist, had heard in prison. He's sitting in prison. Uh, and the works of Christ, and he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Art thou he that should come? Or do we look for another? That question just blows my mind. When it, and, and we'll get into why, but it's from the person it's coming from is really astounding to me. He asked, are you uh, he that should come or do we look for another? And Jesus answered and said to them, go and show John these things which you, uh, which you do hear and see. The blind, receive, the blind receive their sight and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel Preach to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But that went ye out to, uh, but what went ye out to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that are in soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went ye out uh, to, uh, for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. In verse number 11, Verily I send you among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The title of the message tonight is The Baptist. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, tonight your people have come here, Lord, to not hear from me, Lord, but to hear from you. Tonight, Lord, I pray you put me aside and I pray you just speak through me. I pray your people will be fed tonight, Lord. Lord, I know who I am, Lord, and I, I know exactly, uh, why, exactly why I need you, Lord. Please fill me tonight with your spirit. We love you, Lord. We thank you for our pastor, Lord, who's away right now. Please be with him. Help him to have uh, good relaxation, some time off, Lord, that he can come back and feel refreshed and recharged. Lord, we pray for your people tonight, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. The Baptist. Now, before Jesus started his earthly ministry, there was a prophet that went before him uh, to prep the hearts of the people. Now, that prophet was John the Baptist. Uh, now, what made John a, bap a Baptist was simply that he baptized people. The word Baptist in the Bible means baptizer. Uh, the baptism that John uh, baptized the people was, was one of repentance, not uh, of salvation, not after the salvation that we uh, do today, but it was to prep the hearts of God's people, to prep the scene and get everything ready uh, for repentance for Jesus and his salvation to come. In our text, Jesus says something interesting about John that's not said a lot about uh, a lot of godly men in the Bible. Now, when Jesus says something, right, when Jesus says something, it's time to take notice, <laughs> 
of, of what he says, what he does, who he's talking about. Um, we as Bible students should take quick notice of what is being said, who is referring to, what that person is doing, because uh, they are either doing something really right or really wrong. Uh, in this particular case, we see John is doing right. Now, there's no, uh, not a whole lot written about John in the Bible, but I want to take a few moments tonight and look at what the Bible does say about John and what he did was right. Some things that I noticed. Now, if we take our Bibles and go to Luke chapter number 7. Let's go to Luke chapter number 7. Luke chapter number 7, we're going to look at verse number 19. We see in John calling unto him two of his disciples, again, the same story we just read earlier, sent them to Jesus, saying, Art thou he should come, or look we for another? And when the men were come unto him, they said, John John Baptist hath sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? Now we see John the Baptist sitting in prison, And he can hear the miracles, all what's going on. He can hear what's taking place outside the prison and the the works that are being done that Jesus is doing after after he baptizes the Lord. And we see John send two of his disciples to ask a question, a question that we look at and think to ourselves, why did John ask this question? He should have known the answer to the question. Why did he ask it? I asked myself that. Why did he ask? Because John was, it was the prophet before Christ. If John was there, that means Jesus is to come to follow. Jesus was, was, was coming. So why did he ask the question? Number one, I believe he verified the truth. He verified the truth. Verified meaning he, he wanted to prove, he wanted to confirm something by competent evidence. He wanted to confirm, is this the one that we've been looking for? The one we've been waiting for? I believe there's a few reasons why he asked the question, but the main reason, he wanted to know the truth. He wanted to know, is this the Messiah that should come, the one that Israel so long have waited for? In the time, John, we, we, we see that he didn't have the entire Bible. He had the books of the law, of his, the books of history, the prophets. So keep in mind, he's human just like the rest of us, which comes along with a lot of fear and a lot of doubt. And I think he just wanted to make sure he was getting the real deal. He didn't want the counterfeits. He wanted to know, is this the one we've been looking for? The answer is what I love. Look at verse number 22. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Go your way and tell John what things you have seen and heard, how that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised from the, uh, uh, the dead are raised uh, to the poor, the gospel is preached. Amen. Now, that's a long list of, of stuff, a lot of miracles uh, that is being presented that would be evidence that this is the Messiah. And I love the end of it. It says, to the, go- to the poor, the gospel is preached. That's a miracle in itself right there. Uh, 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 so I love the answer there that Jesus gives. And to the poor, they have the gospel. The Lord was a preacher who preached the gospel to the poor and to the wealthy. The poor people had the same opportunities now to receive uh, the gospel. John hears the answer and lines it up with what he's heard about the prophets and what was foretold about Christ. Now, he was not alive when the prophets were, uh, was uh, 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 prophesying about Christ, but he lined it up with Christ's ministry and knew that the works of Christ, by the scriptures, that this was indeed the Messiah. Then he verified the truth. He confirmed it in his heart, in his own life. It wasn't up for question or debate anymore because he confirmed what the truth was. Next, let's go to Matthew chapter 14. Now I'm going somewhere with this. I'm setting up here, so just stay with me. Matthew chapter number 14. 
Verse number one, the Bible says, At the time Herod the Tetrarch heard of the, uh, the fame of Jesus and said unto his servants, This is John the Baptist. He has risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him. For Herod had laid hold on John and bound him and put him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. For John said unto him, It is not lawful for thee to have her. And when he would have put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. But when Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodias danced before him and pleased Herod, whereupon he promised with an oath to give her whatsoever she would ask. And she, being before instructed of her mother, said, Give me here John the Baptist's head in a charger. And the king was sorry, nevertheless, for the oath's sake, uh, and them which sat with him at meat, he commanded it to be given her. In verse number 10, and he sent and beheaded John in the prison. I see number two, values in the time of trouble. Values in the time of trouble. I see a man who had some godly conviction who, in verse number three, or verse number, uh, uh, where is that at? Verse number, uh, verse number four, he said, it's not lawful for thee to have her. We see a man who stood up for what he believed. And we see in John's life, it wasn't always easy. Uh, he was faith with, faced with decisions to take a strong stand on biblical uh, standards or back down because it goes against what was popular in that day. Herod didn't even want to kill John. The only reason why he did was for, the, for an oath's sake. For an oath's sake. He made the people, he knew the people, uh, what they saw John as and the prophet and what he did in his ministry. But John had some convictions. And it was put to the test and he stayed true even when he was faced with time in jail that was leading up to him being beheaded. Next I see the voice as the forerunner, the voice as the forerunner. It was foretold by the prophet Isaiah that, uh, that, where, uh, that would, one would come uh, before the Messiah and preach. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, it says, The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight and desert uh, highway for our God. Let's go to John chapter number 1. John chapter number 1. Look at verse number 20. And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. This is John the Baptist speaking. And they asked him, what then? Thou Elias? He saith, I'm not. Art thou a prophet? And he answered, no. This is the Pharisees asking John, who are you? Then said they unto him, who art thou? That we may give an answer to them that send us. What sayest thou of thyself? And he said, I am a voice. Uh, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. Uh, as said the prophet Elias, John was just. A voice, a voice. People were interested in John and the works that he did. It sparked some question, who is this John? Who is this man that's baptizing people? John the Baptist. He had disciples that he trained. And however, every time he points people to the Lord and getting ready for the coming of the Lord. John was just a voice getting ready for the Lord to come. Next, I see back in Matthew chapter 14, I'll read it to you. Verse number 10. And he sent and beheaded John in the prison. Lastly, I see for, for John, victory in what seems defeat. Victory in what seems defeat. We see the end of John the Baptist's life. He was murdered, uh, even though he was a righteous man, uh, because he didn't give in to the world. He, didn't, he stood his ground. We may look at his death as, oh, that was a defeat. I don't think that's the case, though. I'm sure if we were able to ask John if he, uh, if he would have uh, uh, made a different decision, if he had to go back, he would have made the same decision. He has no regrets. So what is John the Baptist's life to us tonight? After hearing all that, what is John the Baptist's life? Why should we care of what John did in his life? And, and these, these, these four things we listed. After all, we are Baptists tonight, right? 
We are Baptists tonight, right? All right, so let's get into this. Number one, verify the truth. How does this apply to us? What John did back then, how does that apply to us? So what is the truth? What is the truth? Every human life, we are searching for truth. No one likes to be lied to. No one likes to find out that they're in the wrong. They want the real thing. They want the truth. We don't like to go after the cheap knockoffs, right? You know, we find the deals, you know what I'm talking about? We get the knockoffs, you know, and the thing breaks, you know, a week later. We don't really strive to get that. That's not what we're after. We want the truth, right? Tonight, I could say with no doubt in my mind whatsoever that we have the truth. It doesn't come from any person. It doesn't come from a pastor. It doesn't come from deacons, staff, but by the word of God, by the word of God. That's the truth. Not just because uh, now that we have the truth doesn't mean that everyone has confirmed it for themselves tonight. You can have a Bible on your lap. You can have the truth. It doesn't get more true than this right here. This is absolute truth. Now, we could have the Bible, and it could be sitting in our laps. We can have it at home, but if we haven't confirmed it for ourselves, it's not going to do us a look of good. If we're still up in the air and tossed about, uh, our mind has, isn't made up of what is truth, it's not going to do anything for us. Every Christian needs to come to a point in their life when they confirm the truth and believe what the Bible says. If you don't believe the Bible, it's a recipe for disaster in your life and in my life. We could be swept away with every wind of false doctrine because we don't know what the truth is. If we know what the truth is and we study it and believe it, we can therefore do it. And we won't get tripped up by just any lie. Tonight, I can honestly say we can trust the word of God. Amen. You can trust it tonight. So with that being said, we need to dig into God's word and study the truth. We need to verify it for ourselves. So I remember as a teenager, I just kind of thought, well, is this, is, this, is this what church is all about? You know, I haven't really, you know, do I believe the Bible? Do I believe there's a God? There's a lot of questions that come to our mind. And, and even as an adult, we say, is this the real thing? And John the Baptist was sitting in the prison and getting ready for his head to be chopped off. And he said, hey, go, 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 ask, go ask that Jesus. I, I hear he's doing a lot, of, a lot of miracles. Go ask him, are you the one we've been looking for? Or should we look for another? He verified, he confirmed the truth and said, you know what? I made the right decision and I'm going out with a bang. <laughs> the point I want to make tonight is if we doubt this Bible ever so slight, if we doubt the word of God, listen, we doubt God. When I tell somebody the gospel I've never met, I always start with this. I always start, you know, there's a gospel track up here. Uh, this is what I, the tool I use to invite people to church. And in this, there's the, the verses right there. And I always stress to them, these verses have nothing to do with what I say. These verses don't even have anything to do with what my church says. I tell them, this is all from the word of God. This is from the Bible. Now I ask them, now the Bible is whose word? And they always answer, it's God's word. Then I ask, is God, can God make mistakes? Is God perfect? They say, no, he doesn't make mistakes. He's perfect. Then I follow with, therefore, his word must be perfect. Because if his word isn't perfect, that means God is not perfect. And if God can't preserve his word for us and be perfect and true, then God doesn't exist. But the fact of the matter is, this is a perfect book that God has sent to us, and it is absolute truth. Therefore, we know God exists. God is real. We must come to the point of life when we confirm that truth, though. 
John the Baptist wanted to confirm the truth, and we ought to too. We know what the truth is. If we know what it is, we can live it. John chapter 3, verse 20 and 21 says this, For everyone that doeth evil hateth light, neither come the light, uh, cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth, you hear that? He that doeth truth, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to do truth. How do you do truth? Do what the Bible says. That is the best way to do truth. Uh, Come into the light that his deeds may be manifest, that they are wrought in God. Noah Webster says this, to do truth is to practice what God commands. To do truth is to practice what God commands. Listen, if you want to do truth, do what the Bible says. But you're never going to come to the point and do what the Bible says if you've never fully trusted it as God's holy word. Tonight, we need to confirm it. We need to verify what is the truth. Listen, don't go for the cheap knockoffs. You got yourself a King James Bible. Believe the truth. Next, we see values in time of trouble. Values in times of trouble. That word values, what I mean by that is a person's principles or standards of behavior. One's judgment of what is important in life. Don't you wish today that people just had some godly values? We're living in a time where old biblical values are just thrown out the window. We're, uh, you know, we're living like the, uh, life like the devil is just to be accepted and forced down our throats and we're just supposed to accept it. Oh, but not John the Baptist. The Bible says, you know, when he, the Bible doesn't say this, but I'm sure when, when John was there in front of Herod, he preached his face off. I'm sure he said, you know, it is not lawful for thee to have her. And I'm sure he just started letting, letting go, you know, and just started preaching. And he was cast into prison. Today, as Baptists, as followers of Jesus who are saved by his blood, we ought to have the same godly values we got to have some godly vows. Patrick Henry said this, I have now disposed all my property to my family. There is uh, one more thing I wish I could give them, and that is faith in Jesus Christ. If they had that and I had not given them a single shilling, they would be rich. But if, uh, but if they had not that and I had given them all the world, they would be poor indeed. So my question tonight is, what are our values? What are our values? Let's examine ourselves tonight and say, what is my values? What are my convictions? If we have the right ones and uh, we are keeping them, uh, uh, are we keeping them when the, when the times get tough? Are we keeping them when the time gets tough? Listen, John could have backed out. John could have easily backed out. He knew who he was talking to. You don't talk to a king that way. <laughs> you know, off with your head right away. Listen, times are getting tough. Are we going to back out of that because it's unpopular? Are we going to uh, uh, stop doing what the Bible says because it's, it's not uh, what the world thinks is acceptable? We got to keep our values, our convictions, even when the time gets tough. When we have everything this life has to offer, we can have everything this life offers, excuse me. However, if we're not living for Jesus, listen to this, catch this, we can have everything. Young people, look up here, look up here. You can have everything this world has to offer, and if you're not serving Jesus, you are poor indeed. We're poor, maybe not money-wise, but spiritually. Matthew chapter 16, verse 25 says this, For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. There's a story of uh, Helmut uh, Thicklack. He said this, I once heard a child who was raising a frightful cry because he had shoved his hand into an open, uh, opening of a vase, a very expensive Chinese vase, and couldn't pull it out again. Parents and neighbors tugged with might and on the mane of the child arm uh, with the poor creature howling loud uh, all the while. Finally, there was nothing left to do but break the beautiful, expensive vase. 
And as the moment, uh, the mournful heaps of shards lay there, it became clear why the child had been so helplessly stuck. His little fist grasped the penny in which he spied at the bottom of the vase in which, uh, in which he, in his childish ignorance, would not let go. <laughs> he wouldn't let go. Listen, tonight, in our lives, we got to hold on to some things and not let go. Just like that little boy, listen, they broke the vase and thought, well, that was not worth it. You broke my expensive china vase for a penny. <laughs> listen, the popular decision today isn't, isn't to serve God. It's, it's not the easy choice all the time, but listen, like that little boy, we got to hold on to it. Amen. We're not letting go. It doesn't matter if it's not the, the, the popular decision. It doesn't matter if people look down and say, you're making a huge mistake. Listen, we got to clench our fists and hold on. Amen. The world may not understand us or maybe think that what we're doing is, they may think is just a waste of time. Listen, keep holding on. Matthew chapter 16, verse 25 says this. Of course, we just read it earlier. For whosoever shall... Uh, uh, whosoever shall save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. We need to hold on because we need to remain as the voice of the forerunner. This is my favorite one tonight. The voice as a forerunner. I know that John the Baptist was the voice of one crying in the wilderness and getting uh, God's people ready for his coming. I know Jesus already came. He died on the cross and ascended to heaven. But listen, he's coming again. He's coming again. And sometimes we, we don't think about it, but listen, we, that's got to be on the forefront of our mind. And every decision we do, listen, hey, the king is coming back. The king is coming back. What are we here to do? Listen, we need to warn and be the voice that points others to Christ. We need to share the gospel. Share the gospel. We're a voice. We're just a voice. Listen, voices don't get offended. Voices just do their jobs and just, just tell people about Christ. That's what a voice does. We need to warn. We need to be the, that voice. Listen, we spend too much time involved in things that don't matter for Christ. And I'm not saying there's things that we do uh, that, that we do that there are unsinful, that are a waste of time. Listen, I understand you got families. We got to do things. But listen, a lot of time we get bent out of shape over little things. Let us get back to being that voice tonight. I'm going to quote my son, Grayson, here. My son, Grayson, he has, he has some wisdom, that kid. He says things, and I don't even think he understands what he's saying, but I think God, you know, lays it on his heart to tell me, and it convicts me. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's what happens. There's a few things I, I write, wrote down in my phone that my son said to me. My son, my son, Grayson, he's my oldest. He's five years old. He's my buddy. You know, we're always, we always go do stuff together. And uh, Clarence, he's the mama's boy uh, until he wants to play wrestle. Uh, but Grayson, he, he's my buddy. He's my compadre. We hang out all the time. And he, we talk about God. We talk, you know, he has questions. And we were talking one day, talking about why people don't serve God. Why don't they serve God? And I was like, well, son, there's a lot of different reasons why they don't serve God, you know. And, you know, people who don't go to church, you know, people in church, you know, you know, they, you know, they weren't about other things. They're doing other stuff. And this is what he said. I'll never forget it because it, it just, like, I blew my mind. He said, some people don't worry about God. They just worry about others. Some people don't worry about God. They just worry about others. In our lives, sometimes we're so concerned about what somebody else is doing, we're not even taking notice of what God wants from us. He said, some people don't worry about God. They don't, they're, not, they're not in their minds thinking, what does God want me to do? But instead, they're, they're so focused on what this person said to them that offended them, Therefore, forgetting completely about what God wants for us. What does God want for us? God wants us to be a voice. 
of one crying in the world that said, hey, the king is coming. Accept Christ as your savior. The king is coming. Let me ask you this. Has the voice gone out tonight? Has it stopped telling others how they could be saved? Because we've been too worried about pleasing others or worried about what others do in our life. My dear friend, if we're not sharing the gospel, we are living a life of sin. It is a direct disobedience to God. When was the last time you were that voice? Think about it. When was the last time you shared the gospel? When were you that voice? Let's be that voice of the forerunner. Listen, today people are hungry for the truth that can make them free. All we have to do is go. The hard part's done. Jesus died on the cross. We have the book. All we have to do is go. I've been a little shaky about giving the gospel lately and, and door knocking. And, and I, don't, I don't know why, I, you know, I don't, my flesh doesn't like to do it. Really, you know, I, I don't like talking in front of people. I'm ner- kind of nervous. I get nervous. And so door knocking, on, you know, knocking on a complete stranger's door, you know, telling them about Christ, that's a little nerve wracking for me. And with this whole COVID business, you know, I'm just unsure how people are. But what I've come to find out, if people have been more uh, responsive to the gospel now than they've ever been before. There's been, the, recently I've, I've been witnessing and, and people getting saved, not, not because of what I do, because inside I'm thinking I almost didn't even do it. But all we have to do is go. Let us get out there and be the voice of a forerunner, telling them, hey, God's coming back, and please get saved. Accept the gospel, the free gift of eternal life. A and B Simpson is reported to have said that the gospel tells rebellious men that God is reconciled, that justice is satisfied, that sin has been atoned for, and that the judgment of the guilty may be revoked, the, the condemnation of sinners canceled, the curse of the law blotted out, the gates of hell closed, the portals of heaven opened wide, the power of sin subdued, the guilty conscience healed, the broken heart comforted, the sorrow and misery of the fall undone. After reading all that, phew, makes me want to go. But isn't that what we want for a lost and dying world? Isn't that what they need? Listen, when's the last time you were that voice? Because here's the excuse, the number one excuse of why we're not that voice. We're too busy. We're lost souls. We're too busy. Sometimes we kid ourselves, and uh, I, I'm, I'm right there. That's the card I play all the time. I'm just, I'm too busy. In eternity, time doesn't matter anymore. We won't be too busy up there. And thankfully, God is going to wipe away all our tears because I'm sure it would be an eternity of heartache of times that we weren't the voice. Let us not say that we're too busy to let somebody else know how they can have life evermore. If somebody had a cure for cancer today, and it could cure all types of cancers, and they sat on that information when somebody, all they had to do was take the remedy to be cured, and somebody sat on that information, that would be a crime and a shame, and I'm sure you would agree. How much more can we just sit around with the information of the gospel that can impact people on an eternal scale? Let us get out there and find the time to have a burden for lost souls. Letter B is a burden for lost souls. Have we lost the urgency to tell somebody about Christ? Do we live, do we live uh, day-to-day passing thousands and thousands of people with the spirit of apathy? I, I don't drive very far. I live here in Manteca, but I, I thought probably passed a thousand people on my way to work on the freeway, people at the grocery store. Have we lost that urgency? There's a little formula I worked out here. You get, fellas, go to the next slide. The average person a day 
will have 16 interactions in that day. 16 interactions with somebody, the average, okay? You may talk to more, you may talk to less, depending on your jobs, but 16 is the average. Multiply that 16 by 365, you get 5,840 for every single day of the year, 5,840 people in a year. How many did we tell about Jesus? I see that number in horror, 5,840 in my own life, I, I quiver. I, I don't like seeing that number because of such a small impact that I've done, done maybe, or, or the times I, I gave the excuses. Many of those interactions are with the same people we see every day, like a coworker, a family member, a neighbor, a friend. Oh, how we must have a burden for people. If we lost it, listen, ask the Lord to rekindle that fire for us tonight. My prayer often is this. This is my prayer often. Lord, help me to see people the way you see people. Because the way I see people, I'm not a people person. Uh, the way I see people is, why are you talking to me? <laughs> to be quite honest, why are you talking to me? You know, I'm not the person to go talk to somebody else. I have people come talk to me all the time, all the time. And then the Holy Spirit saying, you know what? That's why I brought them to you, to give them the gospel. Oh, let's ask the Lord to see people the way he sees them, to have a burden for the lost. John knew the Messiah was coming, and he preached and he preached. And listen, it's our turn. It's our turn today. It's our turn to get out there and preach the gospel. Let as many people know that the king is coming, and he died on the cross for your sins. John chapter 4, verse 35 says this. this is Jesus speaking. He says, say not, there are yet four months, then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are are white already to harvest. Listen, if we just got our eyes up and got our eyes uh, away from the, our phones, away from our job for a little bit, we would see the need just here in Manteca alone. We're just supposed to be a voice. Lastly tonight, victory in what seems defeat. At this point in John's life, sitting in prison, wondering if he'd ever get out, to hear maybe the guards talking about the beheading that was going to take place. It looks as though John lost from an earthly perspective, that is. Hey, listen, John the Baptist, that was an upgrade for him. Here's a little joke, so please laugh at it, okay? <laughs> a businessman ordered flowers to be sent to the opening of his friend's new branch office. When the businessman got there, he was shocked to see the flowers with the inscription, rest in peace. He was so outraged, he, he uh, stopped at the florist to complain. It could have been worse, said the florist. Just think. Uh, today, someone was buried beneath a floor arrangement with the inscription, congratulations on your new location. <laughs> listen, when we leave this earth, listen, that, it's an upgrade if we're saved. We're on our way to heaven. Listen, God, uh, John is a good example of how the Christian life should be. He lost nothing. He's up in heaven rejoicing, casting his crowns at the Savior's feet. Yes, he may have gone through some hard times, and there were probably times of doubt in his life but he remained faithful. In the Christian walk, we're not always seeing the victories like we think we should, myself included. We don't always see somebody saved out door knocking. We don't always see how an impact uh, while serving in a Sunday school class. Oftentimes we leave there, do those kids even understand a, a word I said? Do they even catch anything? <laughs> uh, if you've taught a kid's class, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> we don't always see our kids turn out for the Lord. We don't always see a wayward child come back right away. A lot of times it seems like we live in defeat, constant defeat. But listen, 
we don't see things as God sees them. We don't see the whole picture. We see a little tiny portion. I say unto you, remain faithful. Remain faithful to God. Remain faithful to your spouse, to your family, to your church. We never see the whole picture as God sees it. You may feel tired and like you don't make a difference. But listen, if you're serving the Lord tonight, if you serve in ministry, if you're going out, giving the gospel out, you're making the biggest difference than you ever can without even knowing it. Just wait and see till we reach the other side. We can have victory on earth too. You can have the victories on earth. We'll see a little, God gives us a little glimpse of it. We can have victory in what seems just as defeat. Maybe you get an answer to prayer on this side, but listen, we have to remain steadfast, steadfast like John the Baptist. We will not see the victories if we quit. We won't see any victories if we quit. There's a quote here from General Dwight Eisenhower, which later became President Dwight Eisenhower. He said this. He said, there are no victories at discount prices. There are no victories at discount prices. It's going to cost you a lot to have victory. It may, it may seem hard, but listen, it may, it may seem hard. It may seem like I'm, I'm so busy. I, I can't, you know, I need to slow things down. God, what's going on in my life? We may can be confused, but listen, it may seem hard, but listen, it will be worth it to hear those words. Well done. Well done. I can say the, the biggest fear in my life is to get up there and not hear those words. Well done. Every head bowed, eyes closed. Tonight, maybe you have a Bible, maybe, maybe you don't. Maybe you've never confirmed the word of God as truth, as absolute truth. Listen, tonight you gotta, you gotta trust the Bible. You gotta have some tr- the truth. What's the truth? Listen, there's a lot of people out there looking for truth. They're, they're just waiting. Can somebody just come and tell me the truth? I don't know about you, but I don't like being lied to. We need to verify the truth for ourselves and confirm it in our lives and believe it. Listen, we need to have values in time of trouble. Listen, we're living a day, it's trouble, trouble all over. Listen, have some godly convictions. Oh, I want godly conviction. I want to keep godly conviction, biblical principles, and then to be a voice as a forerunner. Oh, that's our, our main job here, to be a voice. Let us not say we're too busy for lost souls. Let us measure the cost. Let us see, if, if I spend five minutes here doing this, I, I can't go out and, and give the gospel. Listen, that's somebody's eternity on the line. But let's have a burden for lost souls again. Let's be rekindled. Lord, set our soul afire, and we can have victory in what oftentimes seems like defeat.